One of the reasons why I, am, uh, I put this Bible study together, uh, there are a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I have become very fond of teaching into his marvelous light. Uh, we taught a few weeks ago. I, I believe it's an excellent resource, an excellent Bible study. Uh, in one hour, you can, which in fact, uh, Brother Josh informed me that last Thursday night when I taught it to the church, it was exactly 60 minutes to the very second. And uh, I didn't plan that, but that's the way it was. Um, so uh, you can take somebody in one hour and show them without question that what we believe is the truth. Uh, however, when I have taught this study, I have had more than one situation where uh, at the conclusion of the Into His Marvelous Light study, you'll remember there are some questions on the back page. And, and as you go through those questions, one of the questions was, do you believe that you must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, and that when you receive it, you will speak in other tongues? And I've had, I've had a number of people that they're, they're with me till I get to that question. And then they have been so pre-programmed about tongues uh, or else I've just done such a poor job in the study and I've, I've, I've really taken a lot of blame myself and said maybe I'm just not doing it well enough. But I've had a lot of people that get down to that question and you can just see by the look in their eyes that if they're really going to be honest with me, uh, they're not real sure about that one. And I've had some that would be honest and say, you know, I just don't know. I, I'm just not convinced about speaking in tongues. Or they've been taught certain things about speaking in tongues. And so uh, I, I prayed and I studied and, and put together what I intend to be a follow-up to Into His Marvelous Light. Now, hear me, church. I, I love the one-hour Bible study, but I'm going to tell you, I do think there is a little bit of a drawback in that we get this idea in our mind that we can set somebody down and in one hour convince them of the truth and then we've got no further obligation to them. And that's not the case. And, and we're not going to truly win a soul to really win a soul. You hear me? We might baptize them. We might even pray them through. But to really win a soul, we can't do that in one hour. Jesus said to go and to teach all nations. And really, the word there is to make disciples. It's not just go and teach them for an hour, but make them a disciple. And that's going to take more than one hour. One of the good things about some of the older studies that we used, the 10-week, the 13-week, was that it gave us a weekly connection with these people, that we were in their home every week. What we started finding was that as schedules became more uh, hectic, it was more and more difficult to get people to say, yes, I'll commit to 13 weeks of Bible study. And so they began devising these shorter studies. But as I said, we lose something if we think we can go in and teach them one night and never have to follow up and never have to do anything. And so one of the benefits of this is that at the end of Into His Marvelous Light, you can suggest to them 
that they allow you to come back and deal with this subject of speaking in tongues. And it gives you a second contact with them. What you know from the things that I've talked to you about with our follow-up program is that that constant contact is essential. They've got to see you more than once. They can't just come to church and see you. And then you expect them to just become a long-term saint. After one visit to our church. Are you with me? So we've got to have this constant contact. And that's one of the benefits of this study. The other is that it actually presents the truth of this subject that has been so uh, abused. And, and even just not too long ago, uh, a well-known radio uh, preacher uh, held a conference. He called the Strange Fire Conference where he criticized all Pentecostals and, uh, and, and tried to lay out his quote-unquote biblical reasons why the things we teach are not true. And so it, it's being attacked. The truth is being attacked. And sadly, it's been perverted by the charismatic movement. I don't believe what charismatics believe about speaking in tongues. I don't believe the same thing they believe. And so we've got to get the truth out there. We've got to counteract the false that has been presented. And that's the purpose of this study, all right? So again, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to teach this um, pretty much as if I were sitting in your living room teaching you and you didn't know anything about this and I'm trying to help you to understand it. Now, I say pretty much and not exactly because for time's sake tonight, um, this is a midweek service. You have worked today. Uh, probably have to work tomorrow. You're tired. I don't want to keep you here a long time. For time's sake tonight, I'm not going to take the time to look up every scripture in my Bible. I have them printed. Brother Brandon's going to read them. Normally, when you teach the Bible study, have your Bible there. It would be good for you to know where some of these books of the Bible are if you don't. Now, if you don't know where they are, you're not going to be able to memorize them overnight. So what you can do is go down to the Bible bookstore and buy a fairly inexpensive Bible with little tabs down the edge. Cheaters. All right? And they help you to find the book quickly and easily. All right? But, but uh, when we get into this study, we're, we're actually going into some Old Testament prophets. And, and so you're going to have to know where those books are if you're going to have your Bible there. Do not expect a sinner to be able to find these books of the Bible. Don't embarrass them by asking them, turn to Zechariah. Don't do that. All right? Um, from many of you that have been in the church for years, if I tell you to turn to Zechariah, you're going to start with your index. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? You know it's in the Old Testament, but that's about all you know, right? You're going to have to kind of find it somehow, somewhere. It's in there. I don't know, Zechariah. I don't know, but it's in there. Somewhere before Matthew, and so you'll start at Matthew and start counting back. Right? Right? 
So don't go into a sinner's home and expect them to find what you can't find. So you have it ready. If you have to, get you some little, you can get little tabs that, that just stick on the pages and stick those in the places you need them to be so that you can turn quickly to those chapters. Help them find it. Let them find it in their Bible. They might not have a King James Version. They may be using the not inspired version. You've heard of that one, the NIV, the not inspired version. Um, that's, uh, I, I call it that. In fact, when I was in Zimbabwe, I'm really trying to hurry tonight. When I was in Zimbabwe, I was, I was addressing this whole concept of, of accept the Lord as your personal Savior. And I said, you know, you don't find that uh, in the Bible. Well, somebody submitted a question and said, in the NIV, you find the word accept in, and they quoted some verse. And uh, it didn't say accept the Lord. It was just the word accept. And I said, well, first of all, I'm not saying the word accept is not in the Bible. It is. But the phrase accept the Lord is not in the Bible. The phrase. But second of all, don't ever try to prove a doctrine from the not inspired version. You know why I call it that? Because the translators... The people who translated the NIV openly stated they do not believe the Bible to be divinely inspired by God. They said that openly and yet they translated it, all right? So they started with a philosophy that this is not really God's word. So how much stock do you want to put in a Bible like that? All right, so, but you're going to go into some homes and that may be what they have. Don't criticize it. Don't tell them, oh, get rid of this thing. Just use what they've got. It'll be close enough for the most part and, and just work with it, all right? Everybody's with me? Now, again, because it's a Bible study, I'm not taking a text. Is that going to blow your mind and make you feel like we haven't started church? I'm not taking a text. I'm not preaching a sermon. I'm teaching you a home Bible study tonight. How many of you are thankful for truth? How many of you want somebody else to be thankful for truth? All right. All right. Praise God. Having said that, we will. Uh, oh, one more thing before I start. One more thing. The picture on the front of your study was sent to me by a man in California. That is his son receiving the Holy Ghost. That is an undoctored photograph. When they developed the picture, and this was several years ago before iPhones and all that, they actually used a camera. Do you remember what those were like? That actually had film in them. Do you remember what that was? You actually had to take it and have it developed. It wasn't a flash drive. It wasn't a... Can you imagine they actually made such a thing? But they, they took a picture. His son was praying to receive the Holy Ghost. Somebody caught a picture the moment the young man began to speak in tongues. They went and had it developed. When they got it developed, this is exactly what the picture looked like, untouched. And um, that looks a lot like flames over his head to me. And when I saw the picture, I said, can I have that picture and can I use it for the cover of my Bible study? He said, I would be glad for you to do that. So, that, that is the picture on the front. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for what's real. All right. So having said that, now let us begin. Do all speak with tongues. Amen. Um, you know, the, the, the subject of speaking in tongues is just like any other doctrinal study. And, and I am on the first page of your booklet. I'm on the inside here. If you want to follow along, you'll need to follow along, in fact, because there are going to be some places where I'm going to ask you to fill in the blanks as we go. The subject of, of speaking in tongues is just like any other doctrine that's out there today. There are many different churches, and they're teaching many different things. And you know, when you get to visiting these churches and you hear all these different ideas and all these different philosophies, you start asking yourself, well, which church, which teaching is right? How do I know who's telling me the truth? Because I go to one church and they say, don't speak in tongues at all. I go to another church and they say, well, you can, but you don't have to. I go to another church and say, you need to. How do I know who's right? Well, well let, me, let me just tell you this. Before we go any farther, let me assure you that differing views cannot contradict each other and still both be right. They may both be wrong, but they can't both be right. It is impossible for opposing views to both be right. And so the key to determining what's true and what is error has got to be found in the Word of God. Amen. Indeed, that's exactly where it is found. In Jesus' prayer in John 17, 17, he said, Thy word is truth. That's how we know what the truth is. Not what somebody tells us, not even what grandma believed. But we've got to open our Bibles and look in the Scripture and see what the Scripture says. Because this book is true. And you know, the Apostle Paul even gave us an instruction that's, that's really very interesting. He said, you know, if it's necessary, according to Romans 3 and 4, we should let God be true and every man a liar. You know what that means? What that means is if everybody on the face of the earth says one thing and the Bible says something else, the Bible's right and everybody's wrong. God does not determine truth by popular vote. God has stated truth in his word, and we must go to his word to find out what is right. The Bible is the only unbiased source of absolute truth. And so all of our beliefs, all of our doctrines have got to be founded on the scripture. Now, another important fact for our consideration is the different ways scriptures are interpreted. See, it's been often noted that two people can read the same scripture and yet come up with varying conclusions. Let me tell you that even though this may be true, it is not what God intends. Our source of truth, the word of God, plainly tells us that no scripture is of any private interpretation so it's not about the way I interpret it or the way you interpret it we've got to find out how God interprets it and you know how we do that by going back to the Bible 
We let the Bible interpret the Bible. Then we know we're getting the right interpretation. All right? Now, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All Scripture. So we can't go through and cut out verses we don't like. All of it is, is given by inspiration of God, and all of it is profitable. Therefore, we must accept God's interpretation of his word and align our ideas and our, our doctrines with him. So let me encourage you, as we get into this study tonight, let us know and understand. First of all, God is sovereign. That means God is completely in control and is over everything, and he is not required to answer any man. People say, why does God do things this way? The fact is God does not owe us an answer. He's sovereign, all right? Whatever he chooses to do, however he chooses to do it, it's not for us to question. He is not limited to, uh, he is not obligated to limit his expectations for us to our human understanding. But instead, we are obligated to search the scriptures, John 5, 39 tells us, until we come to a proper understanding of his will for us. And so let us undertake this study with a realization that it's his word, according to John 12 and 48, that's going to judge us in the last day. All right, let's talk about speaking in tongues for a few moments. The book of Acts chapter 2 we turn there now in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 1. This is the acts or the actions of the apostles, the, the 12 that were hand-chosen by Jesus. We're going to see what they're actually doing, how they are actually preaching to those that are lost and what's happening in their lives, all right? So let's begin here in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 12. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and in Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Now, the first recorded incident, looking at your study guide here, the first recorded incident of people speaking in tongues took place on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Jewish Passover at which time Jesus had been crucified. When this occurred, the Bible said here in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, that these amazed onlookers who had come from some 16 different nations cried out and said, we do hear them speak in our tongues. And these are the first two blanks here on your page. Our tongues, 
the wonderful works of God. The word tongues simply meaning languages. We hear them speaking in our languages, our tongues, the wonderful works of God. What was obviously occurring was that those who had just been filled with the Holy Ghost were speaking in known languages. Uh, they had not been taught these languages. They did not speak them by their own ability. They didn't speak them by their own knowledge, but rather they began to speak with other tongues, the Bible says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is what verse 4 tells us. The Spirit gave them utterance. The word utterance simply means the ability to speak. So get what happened. These people received the Spirit of God and started speaking languages they didn't know. How did they do that? They did it as God gave them the ability. Nobody sat down and taught them the words to say. Nobody said, repeat after me. But God gave them the ability to speak a language they did not know. All right? Now, here in Acts 2, it was their tongue. The tongues of these 16 different nations, all right, which first of all proves that it wasn't just the 12 that were speaking in tongues. Because how do 12 people speak 16 languages? So there was more than just the 12. There was 120 that were speaking in tongues that day. But they were speaking in known languages. But now let's go over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to show you something that the apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. Listen to this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Of men and of angels. And have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling sound. Okay, so what I want you to see is that in this verse of Scripture, Paul mentions speaking in the tongues or languages of men and of angels. Evidently, some who speak in tongues do not necessarily speak in a language that has been recognized by men. This is important because there have been critics out there who say, well, we've recorded people speaking in tongues. They're not speaking any known language. It doesn't have to be a known language. Paul said there are the languages of angels, the tongues of angels. All right? So let's, let's go on. We're still in 1 Corinthians. Go over to chapter 14, verses 2 through 4. Let's look at something else that's said. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Speaketh in... Now look, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, read. Speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. All right, so this passage identifies what may even be a third classification of tongues called unknown tongues. Now whether it's a third classification or just another reference to the angels is not important. But what is important is it doesn't have to be an earthly language or a language that is known. All right? Because Paul makes mention of unknown uh, tongues. And so it may simply be another way describing the tongues of angels mentioned in chapter 13. But it should be evident that tongues do not have to be a language that can be understood on earth in order to be genuine. One thing that is clear is that speaking in genuine tongues is not understood by the one doing the speaking. 
In other words, I know a little bit of Spanish. Very little. Un poquito. All right? I know very little. But when I say un poquito, I am not speaking in tongues. All right? Now, if someone who knows no Spanish whatsoever starts speaking in Spanish, that's a different situation. They've never been taught it. They don't know it. I had that happen many years ago in a church I was pastoring. I had a, a, uh, a Trinitarian pastor who had started coming to my church. And one night at the end of service, one of the ladies was in the altar praying. And, and as she began to pray, she began to pray in tongues. And that pastor came to me after service. He said, that woman was speaking Spanish. He was Hispanic. And he said, she was speaking Spanish. I asked her, I said, Sister Brown, do you know Spanish? She said, I don't know any Spanish. He said, well, she was speaking Spanish. I heard her. I know the language. That's my native tongue. And so it's only genuine tongues if the person speaking does not know the language they're speaking. God must give them the ability to speak. All right? All right, let's, let's move on to the next page. What some people may find surprising, what they may not know, is that even though speaking in tongues as a practice is introduced in the New Testament, it really was prophesied in the Old Testament. And, and I'm convinced that any doctrine we preach, we ought to be able to find it somewhere in the Old Testament. After all, when the apostles were alive, they didn't have a New Testament to preach from. Whatever they preached, they had to preach from the Old Testament. So any doctrine that we have, we ought to be able to back it up and find something in the Old Testament that makes reference to this. And, and we're going to see that. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 20 and 21. Now listen to what he says. Isaiah 59, verses 20 and 21. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which now, I have now, put... Now, now listen to this. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words, and my mouth, words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Now, my point in reading this passage is simply this, that the Redeemer seems to be making a connection between his spirit that was going to come upon his people and his words which he would put in our mouth. There's a connection. When the spirit comes, he puts his words in our mouth. All right, let me show you another. In Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12, Isaiah 28, 11, and that's important. I want you to think about that for just a moment, all right? Think about that, Isaiah 28, 11, 28, 11. In fact, would you say that, 28, 11? Okay, that's, it's important. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, let's read. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest. To whom he said, this, this is the rest. Read. With you may cause the weary to rest. Uh-huh. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now, now listen. For with stammering lips, 28, 11 says, with stammering lips and another tongue 
will he speak to his people to whom he said this is the rest what is the rest what is the rest stammering lips and another tongue this is the rest which he will give to his people all right now that was isaiah 28 11 remember 28 11 isaiah 28 11 now we're going to go to the new testament to matthew 11 28 all right seems to be a connection here matthew 11 28 read Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I will give you what? Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Now, Matthew's gospel was written to the Jewish people who knew the Old Testament very well. This term rest meant something to them. It was something that had been promised them by the prophet Isaiah. But Isaiah had made the statement, this is the rest. When they speak with stammering lips and another tongue, this is the rest. And then Jesus comes along and said, if you're weary and you're heavy laden, I will give you rest. Seems to me that Jesus is promising us an experience whereby we will speak with other tongues. Mark chapter 16, verses 16 and 17. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Now, Jesus tells us two important things about believing. First of all, it should be accompanied by baptism. Hopefully we learned that as we went through into his marvelous light. If you're a true believer... And that believing ought to be accompanied by baptism. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But the second thing that Jesus says here is that they shall speak with new tongues. All right? That's the blank here. They shall speak with new tongues. If you're a believer, this experience is for you. All right, let's go to John chapter 3. And verses 3 through 8, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, Jesus is speaking now to a very devout man, a very religious man, a leader among the Jews. And listen to what he says, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. All right, now, we talked about all of this. We went through into his marvelous light, what the new birth was, being born of water and born of Spirit. All right, we talked about all of that. But we're going to go on and read a little farther now and see something else Jesus says about this being born of the Spirit. Watch this. Listen to what he says. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born you again. You must be born again. All right, the, read. The wind bloweth where the it listeth. The wind blows where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof. And you hear the sound thereof. 
but can't not tell but you when can't it tell where it comes from and whether it goes you can't tell where it's going to so is everyone so that is born is of the spirit everyone that is born of the spirit so is everyone that is born of the spirit now Look at your study guide here for just a moment. The bottom of the page here, John 3, 3 through 8. In mentioning and explaining the new birth, Jesus said we're to be born of water and spirit. He went on to compare being born of the spirit to the wind. And he stated that while we may not understand everything about the spirit, we don't know where it comes from, we don't know where it goes, just like the wind, there is one thing that is certain about the wind. Did you pick up on what he said? The wind bloweth where it listeth. You don't know where it comes from, where it goes. But in the middle of all that, he said, And thou hearest the sound thereof. So there are a lot of things that we don't understand about the spirit of the wind. But there is one thing they ha have in common. You will always hear the sound. Those are the words to go in the blanks here. Hear the sound. Then he said, So is everyone that is born of the spirit so there must be an accompanying sound with every birth of the spirit everyone that is born of the spirit you'll hear the sound of it when it happens you know when my children were born my grandchildren were born I was thankful they had ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes, two ears. I was thankful for all that. But I was waiting for something. I wanted to hear a sound. Because they could have ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes, two ears, and not be alive. But if I could hear a sound, I knew there was life. Hallelujah. That's what I was waiting for. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, everyone that's born of the Spirit, there will be a sound that accompanies that birth. And we're going to find out what that sound is as we continue on through our study. But it's important for you to understand that Jesus said this was true of everyone. Not some, not many, not most, but everyone that is born of the Spirit will have this sound. All right, let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 16 and see what Paul says. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. That we are the children of God. So the Spirit itself bears witness. Those are the two blanks here. Bears witness. Uh, you know what that means? It literally means to give a testimony. That's what it means. The Spirit gives a testimony. The Spirit testifies that you've been born of the Spirit. So the moment a person is born of the Spirit, there's going to be a witness that comes from the Spirit itself that testifies this is now a child of God. It's obviously not just something that happens secretively on the inside, but there is going to be a testimony that is given by the Spirit of God when this birth takes place, all right? Now, all of this is talking about it uh, to come, explaining it in types, but let's look at it actually being fulfilled in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, we read it a while ago. We're going to go back and read it again, just the first four verses here. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with and the Holy Ghost. And they were Ghost. all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other and tongues. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them. As the Spirit gave them utterance. When these 120 were born of the Spirit, they began to speak with tongues. That's what goes in the blanks here. They began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. So here is a sound. Here is a witness, just as both Jesus and Paul said there would be. Jesus said, everyone that's born of the Spirit is going to have a sound. These people are being born of the Spirit. There is a sound. Paul said, when you're born of the Spirit, there'll be a witness. These people are being born of the Spirit. There is a witness. This sound, this witness is speaking with tongues. All right? Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Let's look at this. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the, the Holy promise Ghost. The promise of the Holy Ghost. He has shed forth this. He has this, shed forth this. Which ye now which see. Which ye now see. And hear. And hear. Peter said that the promise of the Holy Ghost was an experience which the crowd could both see and hear. All right? So again, it's not just something internal. Well, I've been born again, and, and, and I know it because it happened on the inside. But Peter said what God gave you was something that you can both see and hear. You see it when it happens. You hear it when it happens. All right? So, let's, while we're in Acts chapter 2, let's go to verses 37 to 39. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so in response to the question, what must we do? Peter explained that a person must repent. They must be baptized, that is born of water, in the name of Jesus Christ. And they must receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to notice, we've already seen that the Holy Ghost was an experience that could be heard. And what was heard originally was speaking in tongues. And now we see in verse 39 that this same promise is for all that are afar off. Even as many as God shall call. This experience that Peter said you can hear. This experience that had the sound, the witness, Peter now tells us this same experience is for all that are afar off, even as many as God shall call. So when people tell me, well, it may be for you, but it's not for me, not according to Acts 2.39. According to Acts 2.39, it's for everybody. It's for all that are afar off. The same experience. All right. Let's go over to Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. 
And let's see what happens here. Acts chapter 8, we're watching people receive the Holy Ghost and seeing what happens with them when they receive it. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hand then on laid them, they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And they received the Holy Ghost. Now, now, let me just stop right there and say, you know, I've had people take me to this passage and say, all right, it says they received the Holy Ghost. It does not say they spoke in tongues. But we're not finished reading the passage. Let's see what the next verse says. And when Simon saw. And when Simon. What? When Simon saw. Read. That through the. Through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money. Let me ask you a question. If receiving the Spirit of God into your heart is just some internal action with no external evidence, how did Simon know they had received it? What is different now from, I mean, if you go back and read early in the chapter, and we did when we went through into his marvelous light. These people had joy. They were seeing miracles. They believed Philip. They'd even been baptized, but they had not received the Holy Ghost. When they received it, something happened that allowed Simon to know they've received it. It wasn't their believing. They already believed. It wasn't that they'd been baptized. They'd already been baptized. It wasn't that they're now seeing miracles. That was already happening. So something else took place that all of a sudden Simon knew beyond the shadow of a doubt they received the Holy Ghost. It obviously had to be something external. Not just an inward work of the heart. You follow me? And so we've got to be consistent with the scripture. And there's only been one sign or sound we've seen so far. And that has been speaking in tongues. Evidently, when they laid their hands on these people, they began to speak in tongues. Simon saw that and knew immediately they'd received the Holy Ghost. All right, let's go on to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to skip down to 44 through 48. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And so here's this religious man. The angel appears to him and says, there's more for you to do. We talked about that when we went through into his marvelous light. So he calls then for Simon Peter. Peter comes to his house. We pick up now at the conclusion of Peter's sermon in verse 44. Let's read. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. And as, as many as came with Peter... Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy now, Ghost. Now, again, I, I don't want to be redundant in this, but I want you to understand. If receiving the Holy Ghost is simply something that happens in your heart, how did these people know that the Gentiles had just received the Holy Ghost? How did they know that? Well, the next verse tells us how they knew. 
Read. For they heard them For speak they with tongues. heard them speak with tongues and, and magnify, magnify God. God. All right. So, and, and we can go on. Can you man forbid water? These should not be baptized, which receive the Holy Ghost as well as we, and command them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, now look, here's what I'm trying to tell you. They knew they'd receive the Holy Ghost because there was that sound. There was that witness. This is consistent throughout the scriptures. Let's go to another example. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. I always tell people one of the best tools of Bible interpretation, look for two or three witnesses. We're finding those witnesses here, all right? Verses, uh, uh, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right, and, and, and so here were these believers. And again, we talked about this before, but here are these believers. They've already been baptized. They are believers. They did not know the Holy Ghost existed. They get rebaptized this time in the name of Jesus Christ, and then something happens. Let's read on, verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came the on Holy them. The Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with and tongues. And they spake with tongues. And prophesied. And prophesied. And all the men were about 12. And so here again, this is the, the blanks at the bottom of this page. They spoke with tongues. Again, it's the same witness. It's the same sound that is coming each time they receive the Holy Ghost. We're seeing a consistent thing. Now, another thing that I've had people say to me is, well, you know, the Bible tells in Acts chapter 9 about Paul's conversion and uh, Ananias said receive the Holy Ghost and I don't read anywhere where Paul spoke in tongues there when he received the Holy Ghost. All right, well, it may not say he spoke in tongues in Acts 9. But I want you to listen to Paul's own testimony in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. You, you, you might be able to argue with me about what happened at the moment he received the Spirit. But you cannot argue with the fact that Paul spoke in tongues. He said he spoke in tongues more than the whole church at Corinth. And so, obviously, Paul was a tongue talker. And if we're going to be consistent in the sounds, if we're, in, if we're going to be consistent with the witness then we have to believe that the same sound, the same witness started the moment Paul received the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, this is interesting because... What we've seen is that Jesus said there would be a sound. Paul said there would be a witness. In other words, there is some sign that people receive the Holy Ghost. And I find it interesting that in another of Paul's writings, he makes the very clear statement that 
that tongues are for a sign. That's their whole purpose. Somebody say, well, I have joy. I don't need God to prove I'm a child of God. But tongues are for a sign. And Paul said, it's really not even for a sign for you that believe. But it's so everyone else can know. Tongues are for a sign. Now, the question I'm often asked is, well, why would God choose speaking in tongues if this is so important? Why did God choose that? Well, first of all, let me take you back to what I said in my introductory remarks. God's sovereign, and he really doesn't have to answer that question. If this is what he wants, then that's fine. But I think he does give us a little bit of a clue when we go into the writings of James. James chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, now I want you to look at your at your study guide here, at the bottom of this page. Why did God choose tongues? While man has the ability to tame beasts and control large vessels. James said no man can control or tame his own tongue. We don't have that ability in ourselves, And I think everybody could testify to the fact there have been plenty of times we wish we would not have said what we said. We cannot tame our own tongue. Now, I want you to think about this. That being the case, what better way for God to show the recipient and the world that he has taken control of a person's life than for him to control for a few moments the one thing that person cannot control on his own. Does that make sense? I can't control my tongue. But if God takes control of my tongue, if God can control my tongue, then he can control every part of me. And it's a beautiful way of testifying that God has taken control of your life. Amen. Let's, let's go to the next page. I'm, I'm trying to hurry through. Now, another big issue that, that I have to deal with all the time is People fail to understand the difference between speaking in tongues as a sign of the Holy Ghost and the gift of tongues that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians. So let's take a few moments and deal with this, all right? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, concerning what? spiritual gifts this shows us that everything written in the following verses is dealing with spiritual gifts and not the birth of the spirit 
He is writing to people that have already been born of the Spirit. He's not telling them how to be born of the Spirit. He's writing to a church. He's writing to people already saved. And he's not telling them how to be born of the Spirit. He's teaching them now about the gifts that come after you receive the Spirit. Concerning spiritual gifts. All right? Now, with that in mind, let's read on down. Uh, go to verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Right, and now, now, look, this is going to be very easy to get lost as we go through this. But I want you to pay attention. He is now listing for us nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine things the Spirit gives those who have been born of the Spirit. And let's look at what these nine things are. He said, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. By the same Spirit. To another faith. To another. By the same wait, wait. To another. What, what is that one? Faith. That's interesting. Faith. By the same Spirit. All right, read. To another, the gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. Diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation the of interpretation tongues. The interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. All right, now look at your study guide. Here is a list of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Mentioned in this list is diverse kinds of tongues. But we also find the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith. That goes in the blank there, faith. Gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecies, spirits, interpretation of tongues. Now, now, let's talk about this for a moment. In order for you to be saved, do you have to have faith? It requires faith to be saved, doesn't it? In fact, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So everybody, everybody that is going to be saved has to have faith. But not everybody gets the gift of faith. There's a difference between saving faith and the gift of faith. Would you agree with that? Now, they both have the same name. They're both called faith. But their purpose is different. Their operation is different. Now, let me ask you, if there is a difference between the gift of faith and saving faith, can there not also be a difference between the gift of tongues and tongues that come to everyone who is born of the Spirit? It's still called tongues. But there's a difference. All right? Not everyone has the gift of tongues. But everyone who receives the Spirit will speak in tongues. Just as not everyone has the gift of faith. But everyone that's born again has to have faith. Okay? Uh, we're going to keep reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 29 and 30. Are all, pro are all prophets... Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, 
Do all speak with tongues? Now, this question, and, and I actually chose this as the title of the study, because this question is what is called a rhetorical question. In other words, it's asked, and there's no answer needed. The answer is so obvious that there's no answer needed. It's kind of like you say, is the Pope Catholic? You don't have to answer that question. Everybody knows, right? So there's no, no answer needed. When Paul said, do all speak with tongues, there's no answer needed. If you take it in the context with the other questions that he asks here, are all apostles? The answer is no. Not everyone is an apostle. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? Now, if we're going to be consistent, the answer to this question is no. But you have to understand, you can't take verse 29 by itself. It's in the context. Chapter 12 is dealing with spiritual gifts, not being born of the Spirit. He's not asking, does everyone speak in tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost? He's asking, does everyone speak in tongues with regards to the gifts and the callings? Do you understand the difference? Are all apostles? Not everyone is called to be an apostle. And in fact, notice this in verse 30, have all the gifts of healing. And this is what you need to put in your blank here, the bottom of this page. It's an obvious reference to the gift of tongues, not the evidence of spirit birth. Notice the mention of the word gifts in reference to healing. That goes in the blank, gifts in reference to healing. The same word applies to the other two references, tongues and interpretation of tongues. This is talking about the gifts. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. That does not mean that not everybody will speak in tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost. He's not dealing with the birth of the Spirit. He's dealing with the gift after the fact. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 27 through 28. Another passage that I have people try to bring to me that uh, you, you, you Pentecostals do it all wrong. Well, let's look at what this says. Chapter 14, verses 27 and 28. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course. And let one interpret, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. All right, now, again, if you're looking at the top of the page here, the reference is to the gift and not the evidence of being born of the Spirit. So this is why, listen to me. When people say, well, you're not supposed to speak in tongues unless it's two or three. How many spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 2? 120. That's, if my math is correct, that's more than two or three. Hallelujah. Uh, we see, we see Cornelius and his entire household speaking in tongues. More than two or three. We read in Acts chapter 19 about those that spoke in tongues. 
and it was more than two or three. All the men were about 12. And I don't read in Acts chapter 10 where there was an interpreter. And I don't read in Acts chapter 19 where there was an interpreter. Were they violating Paul's rules? No, because he's talking about in chapter 14 the gift of tongues, not the evidence of tongues. The rule that is set here only applies to the gift, not the evidence. I don't care how many, 3,000 were added to the church at Pentecost, and I believe all 3,000 of them spoke in tongues. There is no limit on how many can speak in tongues as evidence. There is a limit as to how many can operate that gift during a service. Where was the interpreter at Cornelius' household? Where was the interpreter among the Ephesian believers in Acts 19? This is not about the evidence. No interpreter is required when you receive the Spirit. It's only the operation of the gift. If you've ever been in a service when the gift of tongues was in operation, you understand why. Someone speaks out, the whole service stops, a message in tongues goes forth. If you don't have an interpreter, you've just wasted everybody's time. There's got to be an interpretation or we don't know what has just been said. But when somebody receives the Holy Ghost and they're speaking in tongues, there's not a problem. There's no interruption to the service. And in fact, Paul said in this passage, if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and... What did he say? Let him speak to himself and to God. He didn't say he, he can't say anything. He can't speak in tongues at all. He said, just don't interrupt the church service with it. You just get your blessing between you and God. And don't interrupt the whole church for your blessing. All right? And so that's the blanks here, himself and to God. All right, now, the other thing is, People take me to 1 Corinthians 13 and say, you know, the Bible says tongues shall cease. Yes, the Bible does say that. Let's look at the verse in question. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Charity never faileth. For whether there be prophecies, prophecies, they shall fail. They shall fail. Whether there be tongues, whether they be tongues, they shall cease. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge. And whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away. It shall vanish away. So, tongues shall cease. The Bible does say that. When do tongues cease? At the same time that prophecies fail and knowledge vanishes. Is anybody going to try to tell me that prophecies are failing today? Is anybody going to tell me that knowledge has vanished away today? Absolutely not. And until those things happen, tongues are not going to cease either. All right. Now, let's keep reading here in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 9 and 10. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. All right. So, here is, he said, all of this is in part. But he said... There is coming a day when it's all going to be done away, and that is when that 
which is perfect is come. And those are the two blanks here. That perfect. That which is perfect. There's only one perfect one. Now, I've had people say, well, you would never call Jesus Christ that. Uh, you might want to go back and read Luke 135. The angel said to Mary, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That holy thing shall be called the Son of God. Luke 135, it's in your Bible. That which is perfect. There's only one who is perfect. It's, now, I've had some say, no, no, this is talking about the completion of the New Testament. Once the New Testament was complete, then all these things ended and we don't have them anymore. That's not true. We're not, we're not, you've got to read this entire portion of Scripture. And what you're going to see in all of this um, is, let's look at verse 12 of this same chapter. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. For now we see now through a glass darkly. Now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to but face. But then face to book. It's not talking about the New Testament, is it? Face to face. Then face to face. It's talking about when Jesus comes. That's when we're not going to need to speak in tongues anymore. That's when we're not going to need to be filled with all. It's all going to be over with at that moment. You understand? That's when tongues shall cease, but not until. All right? Now, for all of my dear friends who want to take me to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 to disprove speaking in tongues, you know it has been amazing that not one of them has wanted to take me to chapter 14, verse 39. I've never yet had any of them. They've thrown all of these other verses at me. But I've never had any of them go to 1439. Let's see what 1439 says. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and uh -huh. forbid not to speak with tongues. And forbid not to speak with tongues without being judgmental or ugly in any way. Let me tell you that any church that forbids the practice of speaking in tongues is in direct violation of the word of God. Paul gives a command. This is an apostolic command given by the apostle Paul. He said, do not forbid the practice of speaking in tongues. So whatever else you want to take out of those chapters, don't overlook verse 39. It's crucial to all of it. In conclusion, if God has more for you than, than what you already have received, why would you not want it? If you have never enjoyed this glorious experience, why would you not want God to give it to you? I heard a man say one time, he said, somebody asked me, do you have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? And I said, the man said, I don't even want to go to the grocery store without the Holy Ghost. I, I don't want to go anywhere with it. Why would you not want to have it? Whatever God has for me, I want it. I want everything God is offering and I'm telling you, he's offering to you 
the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this glorious truth. I thank you, oh God, that you have shown us this wonderful experience and you've made it available to everybody. I pray, oh God, that everyone that hears this study, God, that their eyes would be open. God, that they could come to understand this glorious gift is for all that are afar off. Lord, even as you are calling them today, Lord, they too have been promised this great experience. Lord, I'm asking you, pour out your spirit upon this place again. God, pour out your glory upon every heart and home. Lord Jesus, revive your work, I pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's love him together. Let's love him together. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Master. I love you, Master. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Now, I, I know I've kept you a little later than what I intended, but I want to do this again for just a moment just a moment be seated for just a moment we did this we did into his marvelous light i've gone through this are there any questions anything that maybe i didn't explain well enough or maybe some question you've had asked that you don't really know the answer to when it comes to the subject of speaking in tongues anybody brother brandon have the mic ready and available here i'm going to take just a moment and we're going to let you go but I, I can't close this study without giving you the opportunity to ask a question if you have a question. Is there anything as I went through it that, that maybe needed some clarification? I said a couple weeks ago, if there are no questions, that really worries me. I don't think that I did it so thoroughly that all questions are answered. Yes. Well, the answer is Jesus said you have to be born again. And so here's the thing. Our human nature is corrupt. It was corrupted with our father, Adam. When Adam chose to sin, from that point forward, sin has become a part of our nature. God is a very holy God, and God hates sin. The only way we're going to live a life that is pleasing to God is if we're full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is exactly what the title implies. It is a Holy Spirit. A Holy, get that, a Holy Spirit. It is. It comes to make us holy. The Jews proved they could not become holy just by obeying the law. They failed. They had to offer sacrifices. So God gives us now His Spirit to make us holy. It changes our nature from the nature of Adam to the nature of Christ. You see? And that's why we have to have it. Because there's no other way we can be what God wants us to be. There's no other way we can live as God wants us to live. 
except to be born of the Spirit. That's why Jesus called it being born again. The first time we're born, we're born sinners. We have to be born again in order to become a saint. Okay? Any other questions? No? All right, Brother Wisdom. My question is uh, concerning speaking in tongues. Um, so, is it possible to fake it if you're uh, if somebody says they've spoken in tongues, but you weren't there, but they just told you that they did it? Um, how how would you answer that? Or would, would you just believe them or just leave it up to God? Well, I, I I would not get into the business of judging whether it's real or not for myself. Now. One thing is, you know, Jesus said you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. And um, I'm, I'm not going to tell them that. You know, if they come to me and say, well, I spoke in tongues, say, well, thank God. Um, you know, it, it's good to get a renewing. It's good to come back and get it again and again and again. And I enjoy the experience of God renewing that in me. And that's what I would do is to encourage them to keep going back. I wouldn't try to pass judgment. To answer your first question, is it possible to fake it? Absolutely. Furthermore, it's not only possible to fake it, I can tell you there are times that demonic spirits have caused people to speak in tongues. Uh, there have been times that I've seen people that were literally demon-possessed that I go to pray for them and all of a sudden they're saying things that sounds like tongues and everybody starts rejoicing. Oh, they've been delivered. But something in my spirit said, no, this is not, this is not God speaking. And so it's possible for humans to fake it. It's possible for demons to imitate it. But that doesn't take away from the real. In fact, the only thing that ever gets imitated is something that's real. You ever stop to think about there is no such thing as an imitation Timex watch? You ever think about that? There are plenty of imitation Rolex watches. Right? So what do you imitate? What do you imitate? You imitate that which is real, that which is genuine, that which is valuable. That's what gets imitated. So you can expect the devil and people. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of good-meaning charismatics say things that they call speaking in tongues. That is not speaking in tongues. Some of them do speak in tongues. Some of them receive the genuine Holy Ghost. But some of them literally are taught repeat after me there are many churches that just set somebody down and say okay you say what I say okay you just spoke in tongues that's we've got to remember it's got to be as the spirit gives the utterance or the ability and so it's when God is causing this to happen that it's real now again I wouldn't just go around somebody comes to me and says you know I spoke in tongues I said, well thank God I'm glad I'm glad you've had that experience it's always good to renew it. It's kind of like filling up your gas tank. You know, you don't, you don't just fill it up one time and then drive for the rest of your life. You, you, you got to come back and fill it up again and again and again. It's that way, even with the Holy Ghost, come back and get filled up again. And it's as we stay full of the Holy Ghost that we're more capable of living that holy life that God is wanting us to live as we stay full of the Holy Ghost. All right? All right. Good questions. Any other questions? 
Well, um, that's where they need a Bible study. And, and the response to a question like that, well, I have the Spirit of God living in me and I've never spoken in tongues. I, again, you want to be extremely careful in dealing with people. I, I just, I don't like coming across judgment. Well, yeah, no, you're, you're lost. You haven't spoken in tongues, you know, go to hell, go directly to hell, do not pass go, do not collect $200. I just forget it. You're lost, all right? Um, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like that kind of a response. Um, but this is where you have to be very delicate and, and ask, well, you know, could I, could I teach you a Bible study? And here's the reason why I'd like to teach you a Bible study. Because did you know that in the Bible there were people that had the Spirit with them that didn't have the Spirit in them? And so are you sure it's in you or is it just with you? How are we going to know for sure? Well, why don't we go through the scripture and find out how we know for sure? You know, even Jesus' own disciples, he made the statement to them, I am with you, but I shall be in you. And there are many, many people today who have Jesus with them, but they don't have Jesus in them. And we should not stop until he's in us. All right. All right, some good questions. Hopefully I'm answering them well enough. Anyone else? Sister Christy. Okay, help me understand. It was a night, Sister Trish and I was at my house <clears throat> praying with a girl that's visited here before. And she's received the Holy Ghost a few times. And she is fluent with Spanish. There was a time I was speaking in tongues at the house. And she told me I was speaking in Spanish. And I couldn't speak that. Do you remember that, Sister Trish? And I don't know what she was talking about. She was just telling me that she was going to be okay. But she was not living for God. And so I just don't understand that. Well, again, Sister Christy, this is, you know, I, I dealt with that in the lesson that when the, when the 120 spoke in tongues, they spoke in actual languages. They weren't just saying words. They spoke in languages, the languages of 16 different nations that were there. Those people heard the 120 speaking in their language and said these people are speaking the wonderful works of God. Speaking in tongues is not just it's not always speaking unknown languages. You remember me telling about the woman in my church that spoke in Spanish. You can speak in tongues. Tongues, the word tongues is just an old English word for language. That's all it means. Tongues, languages, it's the exact same word. So that's all we're saying. You're speaking in languages. But the important thing is it's something you don't know. If you know Spanish, you're not speaking in tongues. If you don't know Spanish and suddenly start speaking it, uh, I, I was told of a, um, up in Canada, um, a Frenchman that walked into a service and sat behind a lady, and she uh, was speaking in, speaking in tongues, and, and he tried to talk to her in French, and she had no clue what he was saying, and he finally went to the pastor, and he said, this woman was speaking French. And, and uh, he said, she tells me she doesn't know it, but I, she was speaking fluent French. And the pastor asked him, so what was she saying? He said, well, she kept saying, 
There's a river flowing out of me. There's a river flowing out of me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there is. That's what Jesus said. But he said that was what she was saying. But she was saying it in perfect French. There was another situation where a, a Jewish man, my pastor's wife, many years ago was in a prayer meeting. A Jewish man walking by the church decided to go into the church and, and he went and found someone. He said, who is that Jew back there? And they looked and saw it was uh, Elder Sister Davis. They said, she's not Jewish. He said, she's speaking fluent Hebrew. So speaking in tongues is not just speaking gibberish. You can be speaking a language, and sometimes God will do that. So you might want to ask her, what was it I said? Um, because to me, if she says, I'm going to be all right, it sounds like you may have been telling her she wasn't going to be all right, that there's something she needed to do. And, and so, so I'm saying that God was trying to reach her in her language in a miraculous way. And that's why God would do that. But that is, you know, again, there's different categories of speaking in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost, the gift of tongues. And then there is just, as Paul said, speaking to yourself and to God. And uh, so there's times that, that you're just in communion with God and that God will allow a person um, I, I heard my pastor say many years ago that he had a Spanish man come in was seeking the Holy Ghost nobody in the church spoke Spanish and he was trying to pray the man through and, and he said all of a sudden he just began to speak in tongues and he said in a little while the Spanish man began to speak in tongues and he found out later he said the man said you that he, he was able to finally find someone that could translate for them and he said, he said that man praying with me gave me instructions, told me how to repent, told me exactly what to do, and said it all in Spanish. And my pastor didn't know any Spanish. So, so God can use this. That is speaking in tongues. That is genuine. Just because it's a human language does not mean it's not God. In fact, if, if you're telling someone the wonderful works of God, the devil's not usually going to do that. I don't say not always, because... There was a woman that followed Paul, and she was speaking the truth, and she was full of the devil. Um, these are men of the most high God. Hear you them. Which I don't know if I told you, but I had, I had a somewhat of a similar experience in Zimbabwe. We were walking late at night downtown, um, and I heard a commotion behind me, and there were some druggies that were following us. I found out later they were trying, trying to, um, they saw my, phone on my hip I wear it on my you know my belt clip and they saw it and they were trying to get to it but what I heard was these men saying this is a man of God from America this is a man and I wasn't dressed in a suit and tie it was late at night we were going somewhere to eat but behind me I hear these voices saying this is a man of God from America and uh, when finally I got turned around the other guys had surrounded them and and then they came and told me said they these guys are high on drugs and they saw your phone, and they were trying to get to your phone. They were trying to take it from you. And, but they were, you know, they, they were speaking these things. And I thought, man, that sounds a lot like what Paul went through, you know. Uh, it sounded like the devil was involved. And uh, so, anyhow. So I, I'm not saying the devil never speaks the works of God, but it's just not usual for him to do that. All right? Any other questions? And I'm going to let you go. Any any other questions? Do you feel 
confident and comfortable that you can take this Bible study and teach it to someone else. Anybody? All right, good, good, good. I want, that's what I want you to do. Uh, we have about 100 copies that we printed off. Of course, we've distributed some of those here tonight. Whatever's left of that 100 are still available. Take them, use them, teach them. Praise God. Brother Sister Curly have agreed to take some back with them. And uh, they, they've got folks that are, they themselves and others are actively teaching Bible studies. And I've told them I want you to put it to the test. I want you to get it out there and get it used and get back with me and let me know how it goes and if there are things that I need to tweak and, and, and all of that because I want to make this available uh, to the apostolic church I'm not looking to make money on it I just believe it is a tool that other folks can use and uh, believe that there are some answers here that some folks may be looking for in fact I think the first time I taught it I'm going to let you go I really I've got to let you go I think the first time I taught it after I wrote it uh, I was dealing with a woman tongues was her big hang up she had no problem with anything else in the church, but she just could not get the tongues thing. I didn't know that. I did know she had an issue with tongues, but I didn't know it was a big hang-up to her. I knew she didn't really believe in it, but so I, I, I felt like this was the Bible study I needed to use. This was years ago. I was a pastor in Colorado, and um, it's when I first started actually putting it together. It was that many years ago. Um, but I went to her home that night to teach her. When I got to John 3 and 8... You hear the sound thereof. Her eyes got like saucers. And when I finished explaining that verse, she stopped me. She said, you don't have to go any farther. She said, I have prayed and prayed and prayed. God, if this is real, show me something in the Bible. And she said, God kept taking me to John 3 and 8. And she said, I could not figure out what in the world that verse was saying. She said, all I could see was you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. So she said, I had come to the conclusion that verse is trying to tell me you don't know when you get the Spirit. And she said, but you have explained it. You don't even have to finish the Bible study. I'm ready right now. She knelt right there in her kitchen. We prayed her through the Holy Ghost right then. Hallelujah. Talking in tongues. Amen. So I'm just telling you, I do believe there are some answers here for some folks. If you'll take this, I believe it is a tool you can use. It will be beneficial. God bless you. We're going to let you go. Have a great Thanksgiving. Come back in here Sunday.